So if you could be here a few minutes early tomorrow night, we'll get ready to go so we can leave out of here by 7. Exodus chapter 20, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Don't bow down to them, don't serve them. I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation to, the, to them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Praise God. Lord God, we love you tonight. We ask in the next few minutes that you would speak to our hearts and give us direction for our road ahead. We thank you for this. Come on, let's lift a hand to the Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Thank you, Lord God. Come on, let's just give him some praise. He's already given us his word, but his word is before us tonight. Let's praise him. Thank you for your word, oh God. Come on, can you lift your voice with me a little bit? Thank you for your word, oh God. Thank you for your word, oh God. here tonight to go over a couple of things he's been showing me lately, but uh, not in any, any great depth. Um, it's not the time for that yet. Uh, in fact, uh, the Lord hasn't fully developed it uh, within me yet, but there's a couple of points that he is allowing me to go over. He didn't allow me to do it on Sunday, but tonight he's going to allow me to do some little bits Okay, so let's uh, let's just have our hearts open to receive the Word of God tonight. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I cannot give you revelation. I can teach you the Word of God, but I cannot pump revelation into your hearts and spirits. That's going to have to come from the Almighty. Mm-hmm. All right? Jesus. Um, if you need a title for this message, we can title it Facing God. Or if you'd like, you can title it Confrontation. Whichever one you like, it really amounts, for this lesson tonight, it amounts to the same thing. Facing God, confrontation, one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. Uh, Some people say facing yourself is hard. Yeah, that is true. Facing the truth is hard. You know, standing before the throne of God, that's hard. We, We talked about that months ago, and it's true. A lot of times the reason why we we shut off revelation. 
And yes, we do shut off revelation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's because we had enough. We heard God tell us to do something we just weren't willing to do. Mm -hmm. And at that point, revelation gets shut off because we shut it off. It's not so much that God stops talking to us. It's more that he keeps telling us the same thing. Mm -hmm. And he becomes almost a broken record. And so he makes guys like me become a broken record. <laughs> because we just keep saying the same thing. Sure. Same thing. Yeah. You tracking me so far? Yes. You tracking the word so far? Yes. Praise God. I'm doing my best not to make this some hard, hammer-hitting message. Uh, we don't have time to develop almost anything tonight. So whenever we have to go, we have to go, all right? We might carry it on some other time, but for now, we're going to get into as much as we can. You know, the whole thing about the mountain of God was about confrontation. whole thing he said I want you to go out into the wilderness most people instinctively fear the wilderness especially if you're coming from civilization now as bad as the Israelite, uh, Israelites had it in Egypt they still had civilization how do we know because they clamored for civilization right yes we okay all right they were getting whipped and beaten. They were under cruel bondage. They were in, in slavery. If that wasn't bad enough, their children were being killed. They were trying to be bred out. Yeah. I mean, we got all kinds of terms for that these days, right? Mm -hmm. Genocide, ethnic cleansing, pogroms. It, everybody with me? Yeah. We got all kinds of terms for it. And these are the worst Words that you can, can speak these days. How about words like segregation, apartheid? How about words like that? Well, no, those are bad words, right? We've heard those and they've been pumped into us and that's bad, bad, bad. And as bad, and I agree, it's bad stuff. But as bad as it was, when they got out into the wilderness, oh man, I know this ain't going to be more of a teaching, it's going to be more of a preaching. All right. Help us, Lord. When they got out to the wilderness, they still said, Oh, we wish we had all the civilization back home. You know, isn't it amazing how every culture, its, it's, it's key signatures are the way they dress and the way they eat. Yeah. Maybe music and dance, right? Their art, maybe. But there's nothing bigger in a culture than the way they dress and the way they eat, mm -hmm. Right? Praise God. Hallelujah. So when, when a lot of times in the ancient days, you can immediately identify someone. It wasn't by the color of their skin. Okay? It was what they had on. So, well, also their language, of course. Yes. Yes, their language. But if you didn't hear anything, if you were far away and you could see a group of people coming, or if you could see them sitting down to a, a, a meal... And you saw what they were eating, but you never heard any words coming out of their mouth. You'd know, oh, they're so-and-so kind of people. Because the way they're dressing them, 
and the way they're eating. Right. And what, what changed for the Israelites when they left Egypt? Now, did their dress necessarily change? Yeah, we don't have any record of that, but their food definitely did. And another thing we ought to consider too is even though Israel was in Egypt for all those years, at least a couple hundred, right? Traditionally it's 400. It wasn't quite 400 uh, from the time they went until the time they came out. It was 430 years from the time of the promise until they came out, all right? But, so, but they were there at least a couple of hundred years. Everybody following me so far? Yeah, yes. And in all that time, they never lost their speech. They never lost their cattle. Remember when they first came in there, it says the Egyptians abhor cattle herders, shepherds, and things like that. Okay, never mind. I thought I saw some big bird flying, flying at us, but um, don't worry. Sidetrack. Forgive me, Lord. But you know what I'm saying? They, they, the Egyptians said, you guys go up to Goshen. Because that's good land for cattle. Because we don't, we don't mix with cattle herders. Everybody with me? Yes. Okay. So they, they, when they came out, they came out with all their flocks, right? Mm-hmm. All their cattle, all their herds, yes. all that. So they never lost their culture. And they never lost their speech because they still spoke Hebrew. Uh-huh. They came out with a mixed multitude, but the Israelites themselves still spoke the tongue of the Israelites. Now, we don't know, again, how they dressed, and we don't know how they ate, but we do know this, that when they left, they said, oh, we miss all the ingredients that we had back in Egypt. We miss these items that were distinctly Egyptian. We missed the flesh pots where you could cook your meat. We, we missed the leeks and the garlic and the melons and yep. all these wonderful things, right? I mean, I could do without leeks and garlic, I guess, but watermelon, I guess that would be a hard one to give up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's not, that, you know, they, they didn't say, oh, we, we missed having a house to live in. They didn't really say that so much. They didn't, they didn't say, oh, we, we, we miss... Having an outhouse. <laughs> Everybody must have had a shovel, right? Yes. The Lord said, when you got to go, go outside the camp and bring a shovel with you. Right. You don't believe me? It's in there. Right. It's yes. in there. Yep. The Lord doesn't want to walk through the camp and see your stuff. Right. <laughs> it's all in there, folks. It really is. These guys had to go out in the wilderness, and they all had to have a shovel with them. Where did they get those shovels? I don't, I don't even know. There wasn't... Ace Hardware's around there. But um, that reminds me, where did John the Baptist buy his sandals? Jordan Marsh. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> well, we need a little bit of comic relief for, for tonight. We're talking about facing God, one of the hardest things we have to do. They went out there, they're getting this stuff floating down out of heaven. They come across some bitter waters. The bitter waters are made sweet, but that wasn't enough. There's a lot of people, and there's a lot of cattle. So at one point, Moses had to strike the rock, 
in order for water to come out. So they had water. They basically had bread and water. According to the book of Isaiah, that, that, that's, that's affliction rations, right? Bread and water. I mean, that's the rations you give to prisoners. So we were in bondage back there, but we had pretty good meals. Now we're out here in bondage and we don't even have good meals anymore. Doesn't matter if it's angel food and miraculous. I mean, can you imagine that God poured water out of that rock and, and that water was murky and muddy and nasty? Can you imagine that? No, no, no. We're, you're, you're probably, I'm, I'm guessing, the Bible doesn't say so, but I'm guessing that water that came out there is just the best water you could ever yeah. probably taste naturally in this world. Now, of course, it had to splash all over the ground and make rivers in the desert, but ser- seriously, come on. It, it coming out at the source, that must have been some good stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, they must have been lining up to get to the rock to fill up their buckets. They had to fill up their buckets this way because the, the water would have been gushing out of there. It wasn't just like, you know, the Sunday school photographs with a little trickle just coming down, you know, three hours to fill up a 12-ounce bottle. No, no, it couldn't have been. They'd all died. No, this stuff had it had been like one of them fire hydrants that the, the kids in the city learn how to unscrew the cap out. Boom! The water just gushes out, right? Oh, yeah. But that wasn't good enough. Miracles weren't good enough. Food falling out of heaven wasn't good enough. Water coming out of a rock wasn't good enough. I mean, one and one equals two, right? I mean, that's, that, that, that's reasoning power. That's... That's logic. This idea added to this idea gives us this idea. If God can send food out of heaven and water out of a rock, then God can do anything and rescue us in any way. And God can and will, because He's God, do anything with us. But for whatever reason, the logic and the reason and the the understanding did not approach them because we have an instinctive fear of the wilderness because that's where you have to meet God. We always meet God out in the wilderness. It's the same wilderness Moses was at. He was out there in the backside of the desert. He sees the burning bush. He goes up to it and says, Oh, hey, Mo, take your shoes off. You're getting onto holy ground. Why was that particular spot holy ground? I don't know. I don't have the answers to that. But God said it's holy ground. For whatever his reasons were, it's holy ground. All right? So Moses took his shoes off. He said, what should I tell them who, who sent me? And uh, how are they going to believe me? And uh, I can't speak real good. And all the stuff that he had to encounter with God. And after the whole conversation ended, he had some help sent along with him. And he finally got on his mission. And that's, that's the idea. That, in, in a nutshell, is everything we have to talk about tonight. You know, you go into the mountain. Hearing God's voice, seeing a miracle, knowing by the miracle it's God's voice. Praise God. Now, now I don't need, you don't need to necessarily raise your hands because it's not a competition. Okay, I'm just going to ask you a question. You don't need to answer out loud in your mouth or raise your hand or nod or any other sign of affirmation. Everybody with me? Yeah. Well, who here tonight has spoken in tongues today? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. You keep it to yourself. This is not a competition. Who here has spoken in tongues today? When we get into the Holy Ghost and let the miraculous come, do we understand every time we speak in tongues it's a miracle? Yes. Do we understand that? Well, 
If you've been in this room tonight and you've been awake, you've heard the word of the Lord come forth, haven't you? Mm -hmm. In a miraculous way. Everybody with me? Mm -hmm. Come on now. Yes. Yes. Track with me. I, I'm, I'm not going to hop around like I usually do. I'm going to take it slow and easy. Okay? We've heard the miraculous in this room tonight. If you've spoken in tongues today, you have heard the miraculous come out of your own mouth. Mm. Now I ask you the question I asked last week. What has God told you today? Again, we need no signs of affirmation, raising a hand, nods, or amens, okay? Has God talked to you in any way today? If God has talked to you, what have you done about what God has told you? Now, this is all about facing God. It's scary. They got out in the wilderness. They finally, you know, they got everything set up. Their mantle was falling. The, 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 the rock was pouring. Everything was good, at least for the moment. Uh, they finally, after about a month and a half... They get up to the mountain and the Lord said, okay, stay here. The third day, you're going up, but we're going to set a boundary. We've got to have everything decently and in order. And anybody that tries to cross that barrier, you're going to be in trouble, even if it's an animal. But I want you to come up to the mountain. But I want there to be limitations. God puts limitations on us when we come to meet Him. You can't just come to God any old way. Husbands, stay away from your wives for a couple of days. Let's make this a real deal, okay? Let, let's not make this some casual encounter. No, this is the encounter with the Almighty God in a way that we have not had on a group basis ever recorded in the Bible. Can I, everybody hear me good? Now, Adam talked with God. Apparently, Cain and Abel were used to hearing from God. At least Abel was. But Cain talked with God too. Sure. Sometimes we forget about that one, but he talked to God too. Mm -hmm. Enoch walked with God. We assume he talked with God. Noah talked with God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Abraham talked with God. Isaac talked with God. J uh, uh, Jacob talked with God. But have we ever seen... And Jacob had some awesome experience there in Bethel. Right? And, and Jacob saw some miraculous power of God. Somehow, and we don't understand how, somehow he, he grew his fortune. Yeah, we, we can blame it on the little rods that he put in the, the, feeding, uh, the watering troughs, but I think it was a whole lot more than that. I don't, I don't think this is some divining rod, some magical potion he poured in the water, okay? Right. Some people try to suggest such things, but there's something about that that we still to this day don't fully understand. The best scholars in the world can't really give an answer for it. But what I think happened is Jacob basically went to the Lord and said, Lord, prosper me. And the Lord said, do this. And he simply did it. And based on his obedience, he began to get all the cattle that was ring straight, speckled, and spotted, right? Mm -hmm. And then when Laban said, okay, I'll take all those, then he started getting all the, 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 the solid colored ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> so after a while, he had all the cattle, and Laban's like, you stole my cattle. No, I just did everything you said. If, if anybody stole your cattle, it was God. And he gave them to me. Now what are you going to do about that? Jacob didn't just see the encounter at Bethel. He had some miraculous events. He took his family and he sent gifts in front of him. And 400 men along with his brother Esau should have been able to overwhelm them and wipe them out. And yet, it didn't happen. Because he had some other kind of encounter before that in Genesis 32. We might talk about that. Because the place that he talked to that being was a place 
called Peniel, where I met God face to face. And this is what this is about, folks. But never do we see an encounter with an entire nation. Everybody with me so far? Never. Now, you can see all the world in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel, and God did whatever He did there, but we don't know how He did it because the Bible doesn't tell us how. We have Jewish histories and references and, and fables and myths and all that. We won't get into that because it ain't Bible. What we absolutely know is truth is this Bible right here, amen? And it doesn't really say how God did it, but He did separate all those guys, and, and apparently the tower was at least partially destroyed. Okay? So did they hear from God? Well, they had a, a negative encounter. We see that hellfire and brimstone came out of the heavens and destroyed the cities of the plains, but God wasn't really talking to them. He's up on the hill at the, at the Oaks of Memory talking to Abraham in his tent. Because he said, I'm not going to do anything in this area unless I talk to my servant Abraham. Why? Because Abraham was a friend of God who was accustomed to talking to God face to face. Later we find Moses becomes that same man. Why? Because he met with God at the burning bush. He went into Egypt. A very scary thing to do because he... He murdered a man in Egypt 40 years before. He was an outcast. He was a Hebrew living in the Pharaoh's court. So he already had a mark against him. And he was uh, an outlaw. But he comes right back into the court and said, Hey, oh, by the way, all this stuff you're doing to the Israelites, you need to stop and let them all go. The Pharaoh's like, well, come on now. Serious? One guy? Who are you? Oh, yeah, great. You can change a, a, a staff to a snake. My guys can do that too. Oh, well, okay. Your snake ate my snakes. Well, I'm still not letting them go. Fine, we'll just turn this river to blood. Okay, we'll let them go. Just turn the river back. Okay. Uh, we're not letting them go. Fine, you get some frogs. Oh, hey, listen, get rid of the frogs, we'll let them go. Frogs are gone, I ain't going to let them go. Fine, we'll give you some flies, right? If not, we'll give you some lice. And then finally, the, 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 the magician Egyptians, or the Egyptian magician said, we can't do that. <laughs> this has got to be the hand of God to do this, to take some ashes out of the fire pit, sprinkle it to the air, and somehow the whole, whole place is full of lice and gnats and little bite me's, so thick you can't even breathe them going up your nose. Reminds me of a story of Brother Hera years and years ago. Anybody remember Brother Hera? No, I guess there's probably not. So you do? Okay, praise God. Some of you guys remember Brother Hera? He, uh, he was at a camp meeting, and there was these little black flies out in the, out in the woods where they are having that camp meeting, and the place was so filled with these black flies, he couldn't even preach. Because every time he'd take a deep breath to get his, his next, you know, booming, you know, statement out, <coughs> choke on flies. He's breathing them in. He said, okay, I can't preach with all these flies. So they started praying right there. Lord God, get rid of the flies. All of a sudden, every fly in that place dropped dead and fell on the ground. And the ground was black with flies. And the rest of his message he preached free of flies. That's the hand of God right there. <laughs> and the, the magicians of Egypt said, we can't do this. 
I don't know how they produced frogs and flies and water to blood and snakes. From, I don't know how they did that. We, well, we know it's got to be the power of the devil. But there came a point where they said we can't do it. But at no time do we see an entire nation confronting God. We see a man confronting God in the wilderness. And then a man confronting a king in a court. And a man confronting magicians. And a man confronting authorities. But never do we see God saying, I want you as a people to confront me. So he brings them out into the wilderness. brings them right back to that mountain. He said, make the barrier. Come up to the mountain. After three days, I'm going to speak to this people. He speaks off the mountain. God speaks off the mountain. Now, he couldn't come down uh, to the Oaks of Mamre, or what the King James calls the Plains of Mamre, and talk to just Moses. He needed the entire group of people to hear. There were 605,000 men of Israel. 605,000 men. We're not talking about their wives and their children. And we're not talking about the mixed multitude. We're just talking about 600,000 men that were there that day. Their wives were there. Their children were there. The mixed multitude was there. Right? They were all there. Their cattle probably out on the fringes, but they were there too. And God spoke off the mountain. And the first thing He said was, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. The next thing he said, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. Which is to say, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, into the wilderness. In other words, the Lord's not hiding. He just said, you've got to find me in the right place. It wasn't a secret. All right? Come find me. Come to where I tell you to go. Moses knew where he was going. Moses knew that right where I had the encounter is the same place I'm going right back. That's normal, folks. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. When we have an encounter with God, isn't it normal to want to go back there? I think that's the reason why we've idolized camps so much down through the years. Mm -hmm. Because often camps become times when we met God. Well, where does camp... Camps out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> or up on a mountain somewhere. Or some remote place. Why? Because we are try- Because we know instinctively. We've got a- to get away from civilization yes. in order to encounter God. We know there's something about it. We also are afraid of the wilderness. We're afraid to get out of civilization. We're afraid to get untethered. But we also know instinctively that if we really want to meet God, we've got to get away from the hubbub. We gotta get away from the hustle and bustle. We gotta get away from three meals a day. We gotta get away from our nightly TV watching or whatever it is we do on a regular basis that's not Word of God or Spirit of God type actions. Everybody with me so far? We just kind of know it. You gotta shut the TV off in order to talk to God because you're not gonna be able to talk to God with it on. You know that. We know that. You don't need me to preach that. But let's let's scale this all the way up. To the group and never. We've got 605,000 Israelite men crowded around this mountain. With all their wives and kids and the mixed multitude, people suggest it could have been, been as many as 3 million people. Crowded around this mountain. And they hear the voice of God saying, I'm the one. 
I'm the Lord your God. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. And I'm the one that made you leave that hellhole. I'm the one that took you out of the house of bondage, which is to say, I'm the one that has given you your liberty. But even though they had liberty, they couldn't just go willy-nilly anywhere they wanted. Come on now. The modern Christian church tries to uh, preach the freedom of Christ and they don't even know what they're preaching. The book of Jude said some of these men talk about things they don't even know what they're talking about. And that's what happens a lot to a lot of preachers these days. They're trying to preach the grace of God and they're trying to give it as a license to sin. Oh, you're free now. You can do anything you want now. You're saved. Well, you ain't saved if you're in the same hellhole you supposedly came out of. You're deluded is what you are. Because if you're in a place and you think you're not there, well, there's something wrong with your mind. And there's a lot of people still in bondage, still in the house of bondage, never got out of the house of bondage, and they say, I'm saved by grace. You ain't saved from nothing. Man, I feel like an old-time preacher tonight. God said, I brought you out of the house of bondage. I gave you your liberty. And yes, I am the same guy that brought you out of civilization into the wilderness. Because I wanted to have an encounter with you. I wanted to talk to you face to face. I wanted to have a confrontation on a nationwide level. The first time in the Bible we see it happen. All right? Verse number three. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We often catalog that as the first commandment. There's different opinions on what commandments are which and where they start and whatnot. And there's no reason to argue about that tonight. So we're not going to list commandments. We're just going to say first thing, second thing, third thing. All right? God said, I am the Lord your God. And I'm the one that took you out of Egypt, which is the highest and most advanced civilization on the face of the earth. And I took you to the most unadvanced, uncivilization on the face of the earth. But it's a good thing. I'm the one that took you out of bondage no matter how confined you feel, no matter how restricted in your diet you feel. I've I've brought you out of bondage and I've brought you into liberty. So that you can have an encounter with me. You want an encounter with God. You want to face God. Then you're going to have to get away from civilization. And you're going to have to get away from the bondage that comes from the devil. And I'm not talking to a bunch of people that need salvation on an initial basis. We're talking to a group of people that already believes this doctrine. But we're also talking to a people that God wants to encounter church-wide. He wants to have some encounters in this church that we have never had before. Not just so that we can go to another church and say, God showed up at our church and did some great things. This is not bragging rights. But I'll tell you one thing. When God starts doing the stuff that He wants to do in our church, everybody else will know about it. Forty years later, when they got up in the kingdom and said, Oh, well those you the, you're the people that God brought out of Egypt and destroyed Egypt with. They don't want you coming to our land. They knew exactly who they were. They'd been missing for 40 years. They knew exactly who they were. 
When God starts doing the things He wants to do in our church, oh, Jesus, help us. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Everybody will know, but it's not about everybody knowing. It's not about pleasing them or giving them a, a candy stick, and it's not a, a, about being a, afraid of what they think either. It's really not about them. It's about our encounter with God. Now, I already know, I already know I can't get to the other scriptures. This is bare bones here tonight. I'm taking my time. We've got about 10 minutes. I might run a little over. That's so unusual for me. Come on, laugh a little bit, would you? It's a dumb joke, but humor me. Praise God. First thing, he says, I am the Lord your God. Second thing, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. Fourth thing, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now God's confronting them. God's voice coming out of the heaven, confronting them. It's not about do this, don't do that. We have got such a poor opinion of God and His Word sometimes. Because we chisel down the Ten Commandments into just a list of do's and don'ts. Don't you understand this is an encounter with God? Every time we have an encounter with God, there is going to be some restrictions. But there's also going to be some imitations. Come on, there's going to be some responsibilities. But there's also going to be some authorities. Come on, there's going to be some hold backs. But there's going to be some push aheads. There's going to be, a, uh, again, a, a confinement. But there's also going to be an anointing. Come on, do you want the anointing? Then you got to take the confinement. Do you want the authority? you got to take the responsibility. Amen. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's about meeting with God face to face. In fact, what he says on that fourth line is, I will have nothing else in my face. That's what the word means in Hebrew. When he says, you will not put any God before me, he says, you won't put anything in my face. I'm not going to allow you to put anything in my face. Turn to Psalm number two. Praise God. I mean, I've got a lot of stuff to say here. Now, I'm, I can't. I don't have enough time. This is, this is about as far as we're going to get. Hallelujah. Psalm two says this. Hallelujah. In verse number 12. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So kiss the son. You can't kiss someone without getting in their face. Come on, you cannot be intimate with the almighty God without getting in his face. No matter how scary it is, you've got to come face to face with that God in order to get intimate with Him. Amen. Hey, listen, there's a lot of people that want the, the benefits of intimacy with God without the actual occurrence because it's frightening to face God. It is. It's supposed to be. Turn to Isaiah 8.13. Hallelujah. As long as the scriptures keep coming, I'm just going to keep reading them. Praise God. Isaiah 8.13 says this. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself and let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. 
sanctify, make holy, make separate, make special. Come on, make peculiar your encounter with God. Don't try to make it some casual coming to church affair. No, 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 no. That's not what we're supposed to be doing when we come to the house of God together. It doesn't matter if we're here or somewhere else. But when we come together in the name of Jesus, we understand Jesus is in the middle of us and wants to have an encounter with us. So he says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Don't you fear anything else. Let him be your dread. Don't you dread anything else. It is scary. Because we serve a terrible God. In other words, a God that inspires awe, fear, dread, and terror. So that doesn't sound like a fun God to serve. Listen, you can't take Him lightly. That's what that means. You can't take Him lightly. you got to take Him serious. So, God has a lot more things to say and I had some scriptures that read about likenesses and images and all kinds of good things. Maybe we'll get to it another time. I don't know. As the Lord leads. Anybody feel the Lord in this place tonight? Amen. Praise God. I'm not, trying to give, I'm not trying to get you to give me kudos. But does anybody feel the word of God in this word? Yes. Again, I, I'm not just trying to get you to make me feel better. I just, I, I, I feel, I want you to know I feel God here. And I feel God in this word. And this is all he gives us tonight. And this is all we need to be responsible for right now. But these people as a nation, they came before God. They did it. They did it. Praise God. They, they did it. They laughed. They confronted. And they heard God. And God had a lot more things to say than the few verses I read. I read down about six verses. Good stuff. But, you know, there's more to it. And unfortunately, I'll say it one more time. We, we like to denigrate the Word of God down, the encounter with God down to a list of do's and don'ts. And then we say, oh, you can't be saved by do's and don'ts. And so we want to throw the do's and don'ts away. And when we do, we throw the encounter away. Shame on us for that. God's been trying to tell us for years, the law is not your enemy. It's the Word of God. If you put any Man, church, organization, denomination, nation, or any other group or individual in front of you and God, you are breaking God's heart. And you're making them mad. Sometimes we can put groups like the UPC above on the pinnacle of what the kingdom of God is. The UPC is not the kingdom of God. And neither is the ALJC or the PAW or the whole apostolic denomination. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is defined by God, not us. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Matthew chapter 7. I'm not speaking against the UPC or the ALJC or the PAW or all the apostolics. No. What I'm saying is when they say we're the kingdom of God, hey, that's self-praise and that's self-appointment and that's entitlement. And I don't like that because, listen, if I came up to you and said, I'm Spider-Man, are you going to believe me? But I said it. 
You should trust me and just believe me. Nope. Not unless you start slinging webs out of your wrists and climbing on walls. I ain't going to believe you're Spider-Man. In fact, I don't even believe there is a Spider-Man. I know, it's a dumb example, but come on. You, you see what I'm saying? If one group of people says, we're the guys on top, don't listen to them. They're Pharisees, because that's what the Pharisees do. You, you, listen, you listen to the Word of God that said, says to you in your heart, from heaven, from the Spirit, from the Word. You listen to God saying, I'm the one true God. And you don't put anybody before me. Hey, I'll put you with this group if I want to, and I'll put you in that church if I want to, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you married to this guy if I want to. That's all my business. But you don't put any of them in front of me. Because no one sets policy in the kingdom but the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. That's why we got to sanctify the Lord Himself. Praise God. Not men. Even if they're men that are sacrificing their lives for God. You don't, you don't put them up on a pedestal. You put God in His place by glorifying Him and praising Him. Amen. I know it's time to quit, and i got to quit. But Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21. This is the one that... This is an, you know why we don't like these verses? It's an encounter with God. That's why. Encounters with God are always scary. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And now you've got to ask yourself the obvious question. Well, then what is the will of God? Well, sometimes the will of God is what he wants you to do right now. Sometimes the will of God is what he wants you to do with your family. Sometimes the will of God is what he wants you to do this week. Sometimes the will of God is what his vision is for the next year. But all of them, all of it is the will of God. And sometimes we can really get very specific answers. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's some things we just know. We got to give thanks in everything. He didn't say be bitter about everything you don't like. He said, I already know you don't like encountering me. I already know it's scary to leave civilization and go to the wilderness. I already know that when I restrict your diet you don't like it. I already, I already know all that but I'm still going to tell you to do it. In order to get an encounter with me, those people heard his voice come off that mountain and they said you do. I'm just going to read one last verse, and you've heard me read this many times over the years. In verse number 19 of the same chapter, And they said unto Moses, Speak thou unto us, and we will hear. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. It was terribly scary to hear the voice of God come off that mountain. Folks, I have never heard the audible voice of God. I'm not sure if I want to. I have never, as far as I know, had an angelic encounter. As far as I know. I might have and just didn't know. He did say sometimes we entertain angels unaware. So it may be that I've done some of that. But there's never been a time in my life where an angel stood next to me in visible form and I heard his voice. I've never had those experiences. And I'll tell you very honestly, very transparently, I'm not sure if I want them. 
I do. There's a big part of me that really does. But there's another part of me that says, oh, man, don't do it in the middle of the night, Lord. I don't want to have a heart attack. Anybody with me on that one? Yes. We kind of do want an angel visitation, but we kind of don't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Why? Because if you see an angel, that's the next best thing with an encounter with God. Sure. And it's scary. That's why angels always have to say, don't be afraid. Why? Because every time you see an angel, you get afraid. Sure. So they have to tell you the first thing, fear not, right? I mean, how many angel encounters do we see in the Bible where they had to say, fear not? Right? Why? That means people get scared when they see angels. So I kind of do want to see an angel, and I'm kind of afraid to want to see an angel, and I'm, I'm kind of afraid to ask God for an angel visitation. And after all that, I shouldn't just want an angel visitation to have an angel visitation. What I need is an encounter with God, and that's something I can have every day. That's something we can have with our families every day. This is something we can have every time we come into the house of God. Oh, Lord, God help us. Yes. And they said, no, Moses, we don't want to hear him. We're, we feel like we're going to die when we hear that stuff. Yep, 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 yep. And guess what? That's exactly what needs to happen. You need to die. Oh, Lord, help me. I've got I to close it up. I've got to close it up. Let me read down a few. And Moses said to the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. The wages of sin is death. So what's Moses saying? He said, listen, I don't want you to be afraid, but I do want you to have the fear of the Lord. Isn't that what Isaiah said? But sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. And let him be your fear. And let him be your dread. So in other words, don't be afraid of anything else. But don't lose your awe and respect for God. Amen. And Moses is saying to these people, listen, I, listen the point is not to... Scare you to death. The, the purpose is to give you an encounter with God where you understand that's the mark and I don't want to miss the mark anymore. The whole purpose is to have an encounter that the fear of the Lord will come upon us that we wouldn't sin. And the people stood afar off and Moses drew near under the thick dark, darkness where God was. I don't have enough time to talk about it. But we are instinctively afraid. Instinctively afraid of dark places. We are instinctively afraid of the dark. Almost every one of us in this room, when we were children, were afraid of the dark. Some of us might not be because, you know, some, not every child has those fears. But almost every one of us, if not every one of us, was afraid of the dark when we were kids. Can I get a, a witness on that? Okay, one, two, three, okay, a few of us, yes. So it's normal. It's normal to be afraid of a place you can't see. Right? Yeah, right. It's normal to be afraid of somewhere where you don't have, a, one of your senses is effectively canceled. Yes. Ain't that right, Brother Kerry? <laughs> it's scary when you have vision. And all of a sudden, it's taken away. But what did Moses do? He walked up into the thick darkness. Why? Because that's where God was. Stand with me. The Lord is simply telling us, not as individuals here tonight, 
He's telling us as a church, as a group, I want to have an encounter with the entire Cumberland Church. That means the Cumberland Church has to get unified in one place, in one purpose. If that's the confines of the, this building, great, fine. If it's uh, out in the yard, great, fine. If it's down at the park, great, fine. Whatever, but the purpose has to be the same, right? Amen. We have to be unified in purpose and in spirit. The boundaries have to be set. We have to have come with awe and understand this is not a casual affair. Amen? Amen. Did you have your hand raised? Oh, okay. Everybody mm-hmm. hearing what I'm saying? Yes. The Lord is saying the wilderness is supposed to be scary, but that's where God is. The darkness is supposed to be scary, but that's where God is. I bet you've never heard a preacher say God is in the darkness. That's where the devil hides, right? But in this case, God was in that thick darkness. There was a big, thick cloud on that mountain, and you couldn't see through it. And there was fire, and there's rumblings, and all kinds of goofy stuff going on. And Moses walked right into it. Why? Because that's where God was. See, Moses had his encounter at the burning bush. So he was able to go right up there. And that's the last thing we're going to say before we leave. In order to have a group encounter with God, we're going to have to have some individualistic encounters with God. But all of us, in order for all of us to get the church level, we're going to have to get that individual level. We're going to have to have a burning bush. So this is your homework assignment. Lord, give me a burning bush experience. Is it possible? Is it right? Is it even godly to ask for something like that? Well, when God tells you to, it is. And I believe God's telling us to do that. So let's pray. Lord God, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us the word of prophecy. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for the word that came from the teaching and the preaching. Lord God, help us to remember it, to hide it in our hearts, that we would not sin against you. Lord God, that we would remember the instruction of the Lord and not chisel it down to just a do and a don't, but Lord God, to understand you are inviting an encounter with you. Lord, so I ask on the behalf of the entire church that you would give each and every one of us a burning bush experience. Lord God, that we would have our own encounter with God so that when it comes time for us to have a group encounter, Lord God, we will be there and we'll be ready and we'll hear the word of God and we'll want to go into the thick darkness. Let's just give the Lord some thanks before we leave tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the invitation to have an encounter with you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 